let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Here's what DC is talking about. For decades, geopolitics has shaped Washington's restaurant scene. And it certainly explains one of the big trends in the last few years, which is the boom in Uyghur restaurants, which serve cuisine from Chinese-held parts of Central Asia and are often run by folks fleeing oppression back home. Here's what you need to know about the food and the new Washingtonians who are cooking it. It's Thursday, March 23rd. I'm Michael Schaefer, and this is CityCast DC. Jawhar Ilam, I know you're an advocate for the Uyghur community, and I know you are also super, super passionate about food. And you probably know that one thing about Washington's food scene is it reflects the folks moving here. Uyghur food has become a thing because Washington has become a center of the Uyghur diaspora. Why are so many Uyghurs moving here? Nowadays, when Uyghur people choose to move to the DMV area is because well, as many of you all know, what is happening to the Uyghur people, the Chinese government has been implementing repressive policies towards the Uyghur population. And since D.C. is the center of what all the polit- political decision-making progress and all kinds of human rights events, and Uyghur people, especially advocates, chose to move to the DMV area so they could be closer to you know, politicians, senators, and lawmakers, and NGOs. So it will be easier for us to be more involved in this advocacy work for our people. So what brought you to the U.S. and to D.C. specifically? I accidentally moved to the U.S. in 2013. I wasn't planning to stay here for more than two weeks. My father was invited by Indiana University as a visiting scholar, and he asked me to accompany him just to help him settle down so I can get to see how America is like and, you know, do some sightseeing and then brag about it with my classmates that, oh, I went to the U.S. Where were you living before? I was born and raised in Beijing, but February 2nd, 2013, when my father and I were trying to board the plane to come to the U.S., he was arrested at the airport. And me, because I was a teenager, I appeared to have no threat, quote unquote, no threat to the Chinese government. And they just allowed me to get on the plane. And my father insisted that I should leave the country, even though I... At the airport, I strongly disagreed. I thought I would like to stick with my family. And knowing no English, knowing no one at that point just didn't make sense for me to move to the U.S. by myself. But he said, I'd rather you sweep the streets in the U.S. than you staying in this country. So wait, he, where is he now? My father, a renowned economist, is now serving a life sentence in a prison in China. 
And that is one of the reasons why I moved to the DMV area, just like many other people. Our family members are locked up. Not only my father, my cousin is now serving a 10-year sentence for having a photo and an article of my father in her cell phone. So you get on this plane. How old were you? I just turned 18. So you're an 18-year-old who doesn't speak English. You land in this country. You made it to the D.C. area, and you have sort of emerged as a spokesperson, advocate for the Uyghur population here, of whom there are a lot. And one of the ways other folks can see that is that there's a lot of Uyghur food to be eaten, and it's become very popular. I really love it. It's it's a funny thing. If you look at a map, Uyghur food sort of tastes exactly like what you would imagine based on, on where it is between East Asia, South Asia, and the Middle East. What are some of the iconic uh, dishes in your mind that people coming to Uyghur food for the first time can order? Two most commonly eaten dish. Oh, I mean, let's say three. Let's say three. Three most. Let's say seven. <laughs> let's say seven. <laughs> yes. One of the most commonly eaten dish or the most popular dish, we'll call it polo. It's a dish with rice, carrots, and lamb, and onions. That's all you need. And it's a it's such a nutritious food. And my grandma used to tell me that this food was for the soldiers before they go on to the war because the carrots are very good for your eyes and the rice can let you uh, stay energetic for the whole day. And the meat can also make you strong and have muscles so you are ready for the battle. Whenever people get sick or they get really weak, their grandparents often make them pull up. Or the other food, which is noodle soup. I guess noodle soup is food for people who are not feeling well. Universally, for every culture, we have a type of noodle soup. But in uh, in Uyghur culture, we really, we have lots of lamb in our land. And we like to mix lamb in basically every dishes. And speaking of lamb, another key dish that the Uyghurs eat almost every single time when they go to a restaurant, which is the kebab. And when you say kebab, you might think of the the Middle Eastern kebabs. They look very similar, but it tastes very different. So for Uyghur kebabs, the main spices will be cumin and some chili pepper on top. And a lot of times the chefs will marinate the kebabs the night before with eggs and onions and salt. So by the time you grill it, it's so flavorful and it's so soft and it's so tender. And wait, what about lagman? Lagman, that's my father's favorite dish, actually. I made lagman last night, in fact. What, did my invitation get lost in the mail? Next time, next time. <laughs> <laughs> I had to make vegetarian lagman for my friend yesterday because she was vegetarian. But So usually lagman is with vegetables like napa cabbage, celeries, onions, peppers, and lamb. And but what's like, the basis of, how do you describe lagman? Lagman, it's fried meat with vegetables on top of plain noodles. And the noodles are purely handmade. In Uyghur households, if if a family, they're using like pre-made noodles, people will laugh at them. All right. So there's a bunch of Uyghur restaurants in the area. What are some of your favorites? I don't have one specific one that's my favorite. The one that's closest to me is called Bostan. B-O-S-T-A-N, Bostan. And their kebabs, they're just so good. It's so flavorful and so tender. I really recommend the chicken and the lamb kebab that they have. Their eggplant salad is also extremely good. I like their lagman as well. 
and they make everything fresh. It could be a little slow because they're making everything fresh. And I often go there and the owners know me, the waiters know me, and they said, the usuals, yes. <laughs> so Boston, it's in Arlington, yeah? Yes, it's in Arlington. That's the, one of the reasons I go there the most often is because it's so close to me. And my other favorite is Erkins, but the Virginia location. There are a total of three Erkin restaurants, E-E-R-K-I-N-S. So they have three locations. My favorite one is the Fairfax location, and it's also the original. I really recommend people check it out. I really like their lamb and salmon kebabs and dry fried noodles as well. That's a dish that was chives and meat and a little bit of veggies, and it's very flavorful. I really recommend people going there. Oh, don't forget about the honey cake in the end. What is a meal that is not considered a meal without a dessert ending it, wrapping it up in a perfect way, right? It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree that's to help raise funds for homelessness in DC. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow! There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. All right, wait, so what should I not order? Like, is there a dish where it's on the menu and you're like, only foreigners order that? Or, or <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to say this. <laughs> I don't say want, it. I don't want to make them sad. I wouldn't say don't order this or that, but I would say if you want to order this specific dish, I'd, I would point you to a specific restaurant. For example, if you want the cold skin noodles, I recommend going you going to Memes Food, M-I-M, Memes Food. That's in Fairfax, too. It's in Fairfax as well, yes. They have the best cold skin noodles among all the Uyghur restaurants in the DMV area. If you're looking for kebabs, I would recommend you to go to the Erkins in Fairfax and Bostan in Arlington. And if you're looking for meat pie, I would recommend you going to Dolan in, in D.C. So it really depends on what dish you're really craving because one restaurant makes this specific dish better than the other. So if you're looking for pumpkin dumplings, and definitely it's Bostan as well. They have really, really good pumpkin pumpkin dumpling. It has a little bit of ground beef in it and a little bit of ground onions in it. It's so good. It's very light and it's very healthy. Wait, do the Uyghur restaurants in the U.S. typically put some dishes on the menu that are like straight Chinese or something else just in the name of kind of an entry-level thing for somebody who's maybe not curious about food? The Some restaurants do. Well, first of all, not until very recently, people were never heard of Uyghurs. Oftentimes, people don't know what Uyghurs are. They, even, they didn't even know there were Muslims living, you know, in China. So for some Uyghur restaurants, in order to get their business going, they would put some Chinese items on their menu in order to attract people so they can, you know, order some Chinese food along with other Uyghur food. And then obviously people would slowly, slowly change their minds and completely shift to Uyghur, you know, Uyghur menus in a 
as I also mentioned, many Americans might not have heard of the Uyghur people. So Uyghur restaurants had to base off their Chinese customers, you know, to make a profit or to keep their restaurants going in the beginning. So they would mix some Chinese dishes on their menu. Um, However, nowadays, people, I do notice a shift, a trend of Uyghur restaurant owners likes to mainly focus on the Uyghur dishes, you know, especially with what is going on to the Uyghur people. Not only Uyghur people are being locked up in camps to work as a forced labor workers, but also Uyghur culture are being slowly eliminated. So many Uyghur restaurant owners, they try to preserve their culture by sticking to the Uyghur recipes in their restaurants and hanging Uyghur decorations, Uyghur writings, Uyghur music, Uyghur videos in their restaurants. That's their way of also introducing the culture to foreigners, to, you know, also Han Chinese people as well. Yeah, I was going to ask, is Uyghur food popular with Han Chinese people like Very in China? Popular. Extremely popular. We're known for our good food too. So what is, I, I got to ask the the rookie question, uh, what's the spice level like? To me, it's not spicy at all. <laughs> to you, of course <laughs> to it's me, not. It's, but... <laughs> to when people, I've had friends thought ketchup was spicy and, you know, so it really, really depends on who is eating. For me, Uyghur mm-hmm. food is just, I wouldn't even consider it as a spicy cuisine. And there are non-spicy dishes like polo, like the pumpkin dumplings, like the meat pie. There are no, there's no any level of pepper <laughs> involved. Gosh, well, listen, listen, this is super helpful. How many uh, Uyghurs are there in the DMV? Is there a good estimate of that? So my statistics kind of outdated. When I moved to the DMV area in 2019, I heard, I don't know, I cannot confirm this number. Mm-hmm. I heard there are 2,000 Uyghur families around the DMV area. How can people support Uyghur refugees in the DMV? So, as I mentioned, many Uyghur people had to flee China and to live in the U.S. And also Uyghur people are going through different forms of forced labor in China. And now when they're working here, a lot of them flee here and without knowing English, just like how I had to end up here. And it's very hard for them to start a life here without language, without their family members supporting them, without any friends or educational background. So it's really important when you see your own business, try to support them, whether it's Uyghur restaurant or Uyghur shops or Uyghur online business, Uyghur artist. And also there are Uyghur events happening as well. There's a Uyghur center located in Fairfax, Virginia as well. And that every Sunday they have free lessons for kids to learn Uyghur language and Uyghur dance, Uyghur songs. And, um, you know, they, they're in need of volunteers. So if you go and support, you know, uh, many single mothers whose husbands are either locked up in the camp or just separated from them they have to while you know trying to learn skills while working they have to drop the kids and the Uyghur center so if anyone who's interested in like helping watching out for the kids together and um, you know helping teaching uh, those Uyghur mothers or new refugees English and also make sure to follow Uyghur owned um, social media accounts by supporting them because there are accounts like Uyghur Collective they constantly post Uyghur restaurants or Uyghur businesses, Uyghur events, information like that. Johar Ilham, thank you so much for talking to me about this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I will extend my invitation one t- <laughs> for, awesome. you, for Uyghur food. That's awesome. <laughs> And before you go, here's some quick news. 
The D.C. Council is considering a bill that would limit how much rent the D.C. Housing Authority can pay to landlords on behalf of people with housing vouchers. This is all fallout from a Washington Post investigation earlier this year that showed that the agency, which underwrites private sector housing for needy people in addition to running public housing projects, was grossly overpaying landlords. Meanwhile, Prince George's County will start offering residents rebates for yard surveillance cameras. The legislation, which passed unanimously yesterday, was first introduced after a 13-year-old was shot and killed raking leaves in his front yard last November. And lastly, so many weather updates. A new study by Climate Central says allergy season is 20 days longer than it's historically been. Plus, 2023 is one of the driest and warmest years on record in D.C. so far. But historically, May through July are D.C.'s wettest months of the year, so things may turn around yet. Of course, we can't let you go without your daily DC life hack. This is a favorite of our producer, Priyanka Tilvey. She says, if you are going to the zoo, get off at Cleveland Park Metro stop. And when going home, get on at Woodley Park. That way you'll be going downhill the entire way. And that's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, tell someone who loves exploring new cuisines. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.